Welcome in, everybody, to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli, joining us this episode, Brendan Nunez of the King's Pulse podcast. Uh, you can also hear him on King's Beat. He also contributes heavily to uh, the King's Herald. You can check out some of his work there as well. Brendan, how you doing? I'm doing good, fellas. Uh good to talk to you guys i feel like it's been a little while since we did a pod there's not all too much news going on and yeah i'm doing good appreciate you guys uh having me on how about yourself how you doing what's going on frank brendan um how does it feel to live on hell like on planet earth which right now is referred to as i mean we're used to we're used to basketball hell right so it's just a little bit of an adjustment and I, i think it's just a you know, getting used to the actual temperature of basketball hell, right? As the Kings seem to slowly be getting out of it, but it's not a blast. That doesn't like make sense that now we fit that basketball hell mold by it just being 115, 16 degrees. Cause like, how can it be one thing out the other? And I'm just thinking, I was thinking about like how we were in Vegas, that like stinging, uncomfortable heat. And we were walking in to, uh, to Cox, Cox Pavilion, excuse me, Cox Pavilion. Uh, Thomas and Max Center. Uh, do you guys think this is worse, or is it like on par with that uncomfortable heat? Because if you walk outside, it actually like hurts. It just hurts. It's like I think Chris, you said it best. It's uh, it's offensive, or it's what what word you use? <laughs> no, it's offensive. Like, but it it's perfect because it's offensive, but it's also like offensive. Like, like it's really trying to attack you, and that's to me the difference between this weather right now and uh the, the what we dealt with in vegas is like in vegas it was humid it was just like all encapsulating on your body you felt grimy you felt sweaty it was gross this sacramento heat just feels like when you step outside like the sun is just stabbing you like ten thousand times in the arm like it's really like trying to be like feel me bro like i am hot uh, and it's uh, it's different. It's definitely different. Uh, not everyone's built for it. I'm definitely not built for it. Uh, I I can't imagine many people are enjoying this because some people are really like this. This is what's always so crazy to me. And we're going to start this episode on a tangent. Apparently, I don't understand why people are like, oh, yeah, like come to California. It's beautiful. The weather's beautiful. <laughs> like this is what it is. Like when you say this is be- like it's 100 whatever 10 degrees in mid to early September. That's not normal, but that's quote unquote why people move here is for it to not be like uh, the Orlando city, uh, Sac Republic game. There was thunderstorms at five o'clock when the game started. And that's kind of Florida weather, I guess, but like you don't get that a hundred degrees in September anywhere else, but here, but when you're here, you're like, this really is not that fun. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> no, but it is like I had to like sit there for a minute and be like, oh, we're living through history. This has never happened before. It's 116 degrees, which broke a record. And then I remember uh, I saw a tweet. It was like the California like – the people who operate the power grid. And they're just like, hey, guys, like basically we might not be able to keep the power going because we don't know if this is going to hold up. So I got another, comp- n- another mini rant here. I don't understand why they want us to turn off our power slash conserve AC 
when this is why I have AC. I don't want <laughs> AC when it's 85 degrees outside. I want it when it's 115 degrees outside. Don't tell me to not run my AC on the hottest day of the year. Yeah, like, that just makes no sense. I wonder how many people really listen to that. You know, at least I mean, to like what extent? On like twenty percent, and if that twenty percent does it, then they can just make up for the other eighty. Yeah, but you that guys got that right. notice, right? You got that notice saying from yeah, as like the emergency yeah, yeah. alert. Yeah, and I always think like, my phone got hacked. I'm like, how does what is this? <laughs> Dude, it's it's scary when we get this sometimes. Anonymous? I'm always just like, yeah, is this the is this the big one? Like, did North Korea send like a nuke? Is this the end? <laughs> right. Like. And sometimes it's not, it's like a test. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I was looking up the sky. The test? I was like, there's no chance I'm clicking this link. No chance. No, no. no. But it did say, they later tweeted and said that's, once that thing went out, they saw like a huge, like reduction in power usage. So Mm. shout out to to those notifications, I guess. All those sheep out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Turning their ACs up to 79. I'll be Chris, blast of mine to 70 <laughs> degrees, baby. Chris, I down the like, like I had the house in Vegas, like it's 67. Amen. Just keeping it nice and crisp. But um, no, we don't uh, have to talk anyways. about anymore, <laughs> That's I'm not saying, why we're here. I'm just saying I, I, uh, I had to start with that because I just know that it's literally making life uncomfortable for all of us here right now. And uh, just wondering how you guys are doing with it. But it looks like Jemias behind Brendan's okay. He's not withering in the heat. So no, Jemias refused to listen to the the notice. So we did it the order to keep the AC on. Yeah, <laughs> the, the power saving here. ordinance. He's just like, no way, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm running the wash. I'm running the washing machine, the dishwasher, the the dishwasher, the dryer. Everything's going, and. Uh, <laughs> Three TV screens, live streaming. Yeah, yeah, with three TV screens, zero basket, which I guess is is a good lead into to that aspect of of the pod. Brendan, you've been like a Euro basket aficionado the past couple weeks. First of all, have you been waking up like at five AM to watch these Euro basket games? No, I did. I did so two days ago or uh, yesterday. I woke up at five to watch Lithuania game. And uh, it wasn't that hard because I'm a morning person, but I know that you aren't a morning person. Am I <laughs> correct? Yeah, I'm. No, I'm not a morning person. My my wake up's eight. Eight p.m. No, no, a.m. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, yeah. What is your typical wake up? Like five's probably not that big of a stretch from what your normal wake up is. Huh? I I get up at six each morning. Okay, but Chris, what about you? I usually get up at like seven thirty, but. That's not my like natural. My you natural say clock eight, is bro. You don't have like to beat nine. me by thirty minutes. No, because it is seven thirty. Like I gotta like get up at seven thirty, get my breakfast, get out the door by eight fifteen. So I can't get up. Gotcha. I wish he's out. Al- he's alphaing you, Brendan. By the way, uh, breaking news: seven fifteen from Queen, here on. Queen Elizabeth the second has passed away. <laughs> what? Some of your favorite Queen Elizabeth memories? Uh, Queen Elizabeth. Can I get an R.I.P. Queen Elizabeth in the chat, please? She didn't turn her AC on. <laughs> Brent, Brent. Yo. Yo, that's facts. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, anyways, Eurobasket. You know what also needs to be mentioned uh, is that um, Brendan has oh. been doing... I'm really going to just like straight steer this shit back. Uh, you can talk Brendan about Brendan's doing... Eurobasket TV, though. Brendan has been live streaming on Twitch uh, 
watching all of these games, watching Sabonis games, watching Alex Land games. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Brendan's really been been deep into this Eurobasket. If you have a chance, Brendan usually is streaming, uh, you know, later in the afternoon, eight o'clock or so, uh, is is streaming these uh, play-by-plays with commentary if, uh, if anyone's interested i've hopped on a couple and it's been a blast so i would highly recommend um but that's all the setup that brendan is incredibly qualified uh brendan (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm really trying to keep this ship ship straight as you guys are dying in the back uh please save me brendan talk about uh talk about ukraine whooped great britain the other day so i'm glad that she got to experience that um this guy's oh, crazy. Jesus God. God. You <laughs> just shook me. We might shook me up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know okay. if we can cut that or not. That's uh, no, fine. It's look, I, I have uh, been watching a lot of EuroLeague and or EuroBasket, I guess is what this is. And yeah. the context, specifically like beforehand with FIBA and everything, kind of like what you and I had been watching, Chris, I, I could not understand the context of those games for the life of me and what the importance was for these different qualifiers and stuff. It was so tough, but Eurobasket itself uh, just being, I think it's 24 teams. And then now two from each of that group of six get cut out. And now it's a round of 16 and um, DeMontis Sabonis advanced in that due to winning that one game that Frankie pointed out, he woke up early for, I'm assuming that's the one that you're talking about against Bosnia and, I feel so bad for butchering countries' names, but I'm not even going to try that one, to be honest. Um, he advanced. Uh, Alex Len is advanced, advanced with Ukraine. And then Bulgaria did not advance. They only won one of their games. But Sasha, Sasha Vezinkov has been the most entertaining watch, averaging more points per game than Luka Doncic and the most rebounds per game in the group stage. Dude is kind of balling out. Yeah, yeah, double doubles in four of his five games. Like, I think we all knew kind of, well, not all of us knew, but those of you that looked him up after the Kings acquired his draft rights saw this guy can shoot. But I think the rebounding aspect of his game is pretty new because I know that he wasn't pulling down, you know, 12 boards a game in Greece, like his, the, the, your, the, the Greek league he's in. So I'm just wondering, I know it's five games, and people get excited and like, yeah, he, he scored more than Luca. I think he's only second to Giannis in scoring. Um, he's at, he scored more than Nikola, Nikola Jokic. He scored more than, um, I can't think, well, obviously Rudy Gobert. I'm just wondering how much stock are you putting into his play in, in Eurobasket? Because I know there's talk about him maybe coming over next year. Mike Brown was in attendance for a couple of his games. And he said that the team tried to have him out to Sacramento this summer but he he couldn't make it because of his obligations to to his uh, to his national team. So, how much stock are you putting into to Sasha right now? Are you on the Sasha train? Or are you kind of wanting to see more uh, throughout the upcoming Euro season? I think Sasha is really really good at offense. I've been shocked that teams aren't like attacking him on defense. The couple times it's happened, it's not pretty, and I, I think that I would really worry about that at the next level and like. If there's something that holds him back from being a starter, I think it's that because I genuinely think he's really, really good on offense, like a ridiculous shooter. I think it's 40% from three on eight attempts a game. And that, you know, isn't just this small sample. Like he, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he shot really well when he was the MVP of that, of the Greek league and a 
whatever the equivalent of all NBA in the Euro League is as well. So knowing that he's a good shooter, kind of like you pointed out, Frank. So I, I think that I definitely am buying the offensive game. He attacks closeouts well. He's got like these funky, you know, same foot, same hand finishes and all this good touch around the rim and everything. The rebounding, obviously, he's averaged the most minutes per game um, in these five games as well, which contributes a little bit to these numbers. But it's not like the other guys aren't playing heavy minutes as well. But for him to be playing 37 of the 40 minutes and hustling the entire time, um, I, I think definitely says a lot. I just am unsure on him coming over because what his role looks like. I, I think one of the other big takeaways aside from, holy crap, this guy's just really good at offense is that he's kind of a jerk. It looks like out there, like he's sitting on the side where the coaches are on the bench for like half of these games. So there, he's not sitting near his teammates when he goes to the bench for those two, three minutes or whatever. Um, when huddles are happening, which Eurobasket's been really weird that they're like showing you the play calls that are drawn up, which I don't understand how that's acceptable, but I guess it is. Um, Sasha is like leaving the huddle before it even breaks. Coach is trying to talk to him. He's not looking at him at all. Uh, he's totally pissed at his teammates when he doesn't get the ball. Like there's definitely an attitude. Um, and he, him and his other like good teammate, I would say, kind of share that a little bit, but it almost seems like Sasha's the leader between the two of that and the other guy fell into it a little bit in time. And I get it a little bit. Like, to be honest, the rest of his team is really, really, really bad. So I kind of get it. And I wonder if there'd be like, because he does seem to have a level of respect for the one other good teammate that he has, right? So I wonder <laughs> if it'd be different for it being all these other NBA guys that he's around. So that worries me a little bit and makes me question even more of like, a, is this a type of guy? And, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into body language and things like this. I don't obviously know the guy at all. I've hardly heard him speak. And, but it makes me question even more so of like, would he want to come over and fight for a bench role in the NBA when he's a star in the Euro league, you know, and, the whole being a all NBA caliber or equivalent in the EuroLeague, that sounds great. I'm not sure that if you swapped him and Trey Lyles, would Trey Lyles be a EuroLeague, that caliber of player in the EuroLeague? Like, it might be a stretch, but at the same time, like Miritich, when he's elderly, is winning an MVP award. Shane Larkin won an MVP award in the EuroLeague. So I definitely am optimistic, but like still trying to pump the brakes a little bit, I guess. Yeah, because like how much yeah. you are, Chris, go ahead. No, you no, go ahead, I was please. just going to uh, mention. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, he played the most minutes for his team. And yet he's he's also getting all of these stats as well. It definitely to me seems like kind of like what you're saying, that that it it feels to me like he knows the rest of his team isn't very good at all. And he's really just taking it upon himself to do everything and uh you know, I, I haven't watched any of his games, so it's good that you can give the insight on the body language and stuff. And I, I completely agree with you. It just to me that that brings up red flags of exactly like you said. I, I can't imagine he's going to be happy or content with being the eighth, ninth guy, uh, you know, on a roster and and not having consistent minutes. And when he is in, isn't you know giving it his all and everything. That that definitely seems like something at least to monitor. It's, it's like you said, you you haven't really even heard him speak it's not like we know who this guy is but uh, on the same token you see you know 
Luca's clearly a different caliber of player from him, but Luca seems to be having the time of his life with his uh, Slovenian team. Um, and that, you know, that just doesn't seem to be the case with, uh, with, with uh, Sasha. Yeah. I think just like a, you don't have to have this. I'm greater than y'all mindset that like, it really, really seems like is there, you know, like, I wouldn't be saying this if I like didn't see it every single game. You know, if it happened once or twice, I would totally overlook things. I could see why it's like a frustrating context for him. Uh, but no, it, it's like all the time. Like the amount of times that palms are to the roof because like, why did you pass it over there when I'm on this side of the floor type stuff? Like, yeah, I mean, you see Sabonis who has better teammates by far, but like best player on that team. I, I think the other way to look at it is like you could have just been a leader rather than this i just get triggered by like a guy that i used to play with honestly in high school that was like sure you're probably the best player but you're such a jerk bro like why do you have to be like this um and i don't know it just it was definitely interesting to me yeah and like i'm kind of looking at who vizenkov is like matched up against and spain has a good team uh i'm not sure how, how well turkey did in the group phase i don't think they advanced if i'm not to Turkey, not I'm not sure if they advanced or not, but they have uh Shangun, your know. guy, Shangun. Um, you know, he the the numbers are impressive. Like it's hard. We you can't really I get what you're saying, like that and I agree. Like we need to see more from him. We can't just say, Oh my god, he averaged twenty six points per game in, in Eurobasket. But like, I mean, I think if he was averaging ten or eleven, we'd be sitting here saying, Wow, he really just can't even he can't even compete in Eurobasket again. So it just kinda is like a Maybe there's not really a true way he can win, but this is the best possible outcome. But I mean, the he Kings was not are in a good gonna... group. To your point, oh yeah, exactly. Well, that too. But like, my point is, he he dominated his group. Like he did the best that he could, and I think that with the Kings in a position next year where they're gonna maybe need another a small forward. I mean, I'm not saying this guy's gonna come in and be their starting small forward, but Monty seems like he likes him. He might be in the running. Maybe that's their plan because Harrison Barnes. There hasn't been any talks of an extension. Yet, I think that was something that we heard like a year ago. The Kings were open to it. Maybe not anymore. Maybe HB is wanting to kind of play it out and get a new contract somewhere that's not here, which how can you blame him? Uh, he's been here for, what, almost five years? So, um, no, but other than Vizenkov, though, I'm just wondering, there's only two other Kings have been playing, Alex Len, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, obviously, Len's not really the focal point of Ukraine, but Ukraine is a good team, which I'm good for Ukraine. Like, they're rolling. And then with Lithuania, they make it by the skin of their teeth. Sabonis hasn't been like his – I mean, he's not 18, 12, and 5 Sabonis, which I don't think anyone's really expecting that. You kind of see in these international games in the Olympics, Eurobasket, players don't normally play to their like true averages. Like in, in the Olympics, we never saw LeBron go for 28 per game or something like that, you know. Melo actually was the one who kind of went stupid in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. Like he had hit, what, like – record 10 11 threes in a game uh so things happen but Sabonis hasn't looked like his complete self someone's wondering have you seen him kind of is he doing regular DeMontis Sabonis things and just kind of being overshadowed by the fact that he's sharing the floor with Valanchunas who has been having a very good Eurobasket um tournament as well so I'm just wondering do you think he's just being regular old Sabonis and just kind of being like okay the usage is down a little bit because you have you have Valanciunas or is he kind of just falling short in some areas? 
Yeah, I think it's just like context. You know, I, I think that his team outside of Valanchunas has been super underwhelming. There's one guy specifically, Gorgonis, that gives me the hardest buddy healed PTSD I've ever seen in my life in that Bosnia game. Uh, he hit like four triples in the first quarter. He had 14 he points has, in the first quarter. Yeah, he goes crazy. But then like on the other end, I think there's two possessions in a row where he just doesn't, his guy, he gets back cut and doesn't do anything except raise his hand and say, my bad at the end. And I'm just like, <laughs> I can't stand it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he finished the game with 14. I don't think he scored again. I'm not sure. He, I don't think he did. Most buddy healed thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Insane. Uh, yeah. So I, I think his teammates have been really tough. Like he's got a really young point guard that I think the Knicks have the rights to. Um, and then playing alongside Valanchunas, like I, I think they just need to run the ball through him. And I think they kind of came to realize that these last two games where he looked a lot better, which it's not a coincidence that his last two games were his greater ones when he's playing the two other teams that aren't like elite in that group because the top of his group is genuinely three different teams that are like going to compete for the championship when it comes to Slovenia, France, and uh, Germany. Shout out Franz Wagner. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that he for sure is in a really tough group and it's just like when they're trying to post him up and the other team has four defenders with a foot in the paint. It's just like, there's only so much he can do and he's just getting doubled right away. Like I think one of the big takeaways for me is like, I don't know how much he's a pass him the ball and ask him to just go get a bucket. I think we saw that a little bit in that Bosnia game. There are three or four possessions in a row where he just got to the foul line when they were just feeding him every single time. Um, and, and he felt sort of dominant. I was kind of surprised at the end of the game. He only ended with something like 12, 14 points, something like that. He felt mm-hmm. like he was a lot more impactful than that. Um, but I think one of the big takeaways for me is just like context is so important for this guy. He has to play alongside other shooters. He has to play alongside other smart players who are cutting at the right time. And I just don't think that we've seen that all too much with this Lithuania team. And it's also just weird. Like at first they're staggering Domas and Jonas. And then that for some reason didn't happen anymore for a little while or like, they're taking Domas out with like three, four minutes left. And I think it's because they only want to go with one big, but it's like, I don't know if I'm crazy for this. Like Domas is clearly the better of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you have? Yeah. Like I, 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 yeah, I don't understand. I don't even know the name of the guy coming in. Like, what are we really doing here? So I don't know. It, it's been really tough context. And I feel like I've, you know, only seen what 30 or so games of Domas throughout his career. Now, if you count Eurobasket and Kings and whatever prior to that, like, but this feels like the most like frustrated I've seen him. There's a lot of times the team's just not on the same page. And I think it's just a really tough. Yeah. Context for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think it's great for him to, I mean, I think in some aspects it's nice for him to have Valanchunas, but I think it, at the end of the day, it just ends up clogging the lane for him. Like you said, and, and like, I, yeah, it's really not the ideal situation for a player like Sabonis to thrive. He kind of, uh, you know, in in international basketball, you kind of end up playing more of a role. Like like Frank said earlier, you know, you never see LeBron averaging 28 points a game. It's everyone kind of buying into the team. And I'm sure Sabonis and, and Valanchunas at points are both like, we should probably. And, you know, you're also dealing with not elite coaching. I don't know who. Uh, Lithuania's head coaches, but I assume it's not Greg Popovich or, or Eric Spolstra. Um, the best strategy to me probably would be to utilize Sabonis and, and 
Valanchunas to the max and just twin tower it probably. That's probably your biggest advantage over a lot of teams. Um, and it, it doesn't help that those guys like are all offensive. You know, I don't think either one of those guys are they're actually kind of bad on defense, mm-hmm. I think. In in the honest. NBA though, right? I mean, even in your maybe Eurobasket, they're not playing fantastic defense, but I feel like even against that lower level of competition, they might be average defenders. Like and just having them on having two seven footers on the floor with NBA experience, I don't feel like can can hurt you in Eurobasket unless you're going mm-hmm. against like maybe France or I mean if Spain had the, was the, kind of taking advantage of it, but yeah, like it's oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, or if Spain had the Gasol brothers still, but they don't. But um, well, they they have the excuse me, they have the Hernan Gomez brothers now. Bo Cruz, yeah, Bo Cruz. I think that's who is that? Who, that's who um, they play next game actually. That's who is it? I played. didn't see their, what yeah. their schedule was. So they are. Uh, excuse me, I might have to eat my words. They're going to be playing against Bo Cruz, and uh, they they played Spain twice in the friendlies, um, and I think they won both their games because they played five friendlies and then two FIBA World Cup qualifiers, and they went seven and zero coming into EuroBasket and then dropped their first three. So it was a little surprising that they they struggled so much in the way they did. It's definitely tough. One quick side note: um, Demonis Sabonis has not had more than four assists in a game, and I'm in. That's what five straight games. I'd have to look at his game log, but I, I can't imagine there's a, a stretch of games that long he went not having at least five assists. So that kind of just speaks to the fact that he does not have that many. I mean, he might be hitting his teammates on looks, but they're just not converting. So just want to get that in. Chris, did you have something? Yeah, I also saw a video yesterday that uh, uh, Domas hit a three um, in in uh, in his last game. I just want to know, Brendan, what you've seen from, uh, or if you've seen anything really of of uh, Sabonis's new shooting stroke. I don't know, guys. Like, it you don't buy the, the le- it looks the same to me. You're not like... buying the, le- the lethal shooter hype. It does seem like it has a little more arc. I feel like before he did have a pretty line drive shot, and especially from three, it was really just a laser. And uh, at least the one I saw yesterday did seem to have a good, a better arc to it. It did. It wasn't a flush three by any means. I'm pretty sure it hit back rim and then just kind of like uh, uh, went in off that. But you know, I, I I agree with you. I don't know if it. I think in terms of are are we going to see any massive jump from Sabonis this season? I I I don't know if I see that. Yeah, and I and like I mean, his best offense is always going to be getting closer to the basket, right? And I think that like it's hard to tell his confidence level if that's changed at all, because I think it's just easier for him to get to the basket in Euro in this Euro basket tournament. So like, why would he not just do that more often? But I think he's something two of seven or three of seven from three in these five games. And he went, Oh, of three in that Bosnia game, two of seven, 28%, two of seven. Yeah. And I don't know. There's been like, I think two or three different occasions where he catches it with like two seconds left. And then he, instead of shooting it kind of hot potatoes it to the next guy and it doesn't end up being a great shot. And and in my mind, that's just like, I don't know. I think you should be the one to take that. And you're just maybe not the most confident. It's also just, you know, he's a pass first guy. I, at least that's what I think I've kind of seen from him um, and and kind of how I view him. So I don't, I don't know. I I struggle to notice the difference in the jumper. I'd probably have to like pull up games from last year to see how it looked and put them side by side. I mean, I I appreciate the fact that he's worked on his shot because I feel like you always want are going to want to further your game as a professional athlete. I respect that. And, like, he it will be nice to have him be a threat if need be on the perimeter. I think we saw Rashawn Holmes was doing a lot of work on his three-point shot over the past season. 
Uh, Alex Len's been taking some threes every now and then. Great. Love it. It's in the bag if you need it. It's in there. You can dig deep if you need it. Break, break glass case of emergency. But I do think that if Sabonis is taking a three with like 12, 11 seconds on the shot clock and the Kings have Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray as well. It's like, what are we doing? Maybe. I don't know. I, I just think Sabonis' game, he's so good at what he does. Expanding that to the three-point arc, I mean, I think people might be a little disappointed if they're expecting him to be that 34, 33% shooter maybe because I just don't know if he has that in him. But maybe I'm wrong. I just don't know. I mean, like you said, Brennan, the shot does look pretty much on the surface level. Maybe there are some out there that are more uh, in line with, with shot mechanics, but it looks pretty similar to what we saw last year. There's been some bricks. There, some of those seven have been ugly for what it's worth. You know, like Sasha, yeah. when he's missing shots, all of them are front or uh, long or short. There's no left or right, right? Which I think is the sign of like a really good shooter. Not not the case for Domas. There's some really, really bad bricks in those seven. Um, probably two, just like he made two, you know? So take it for what it's worth. And like, if you sit with two of seven, I'm not a math brain. I don't know what that percentage is off the top of my head, but it's not horrific you know you make one more and that looks a lot better um so i'm betting on more of i I think between the two because the shooting in my mind is important for him to be like optimized alongside fox and i really just think like one of them needs to become a respectable three-point shooter and i'd rather bet on De'Aaron than domas at this point yeah especially like in today's nba where i mean most successful we all-star caliber point guards can shoot the basketball. So that's kind of, I think, what we need to to hope pans out instead. Um, does anyone have any more thoughts on Sabonis before we move on? Their jerseys really look like watermelons, and I'm really trying to figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I it's genuinely do fruit. not understand. No, and I've looked this up, and I, I don't know. If anybody Dude, out con- there knows, please let me know. Do countries have Probably national fruits? Flag, if I had to guess. Yes, it's the same color as their flag, right? The red, yellow, and green. So it makes sense. Uh-huh. But, like, I swear you can't look at these jerseys and tell me they're not watermelon inspired. I swear on everything. I'm so glad both of you are looking at this. Now, now I'm going to look this up. They, they look I'm just scared. like watermelon, and I do not understand why. Like, it has to, it, it has to be inspired by a watermelon. I don't know if countries have a, a national fruit. Like I typed in national fruit Lithuania and it said Lithuanian <laughs> national bird. It's a white stork. So that's good to know. Um, I'll go ahead and holster that. Yeah, you're tripping, bro. I don't know what the hell you're talking you about. You don't see it? I, I, okay. I see this one. Yeah, that's the jersey they've been wearing the whole this time. This one specifically does, yes. Okay, it does have watermelon-esque ripples on the uh on the jersey like it's like a a uh, fruit roll-up it's got the texture yes i thought you were just like like the generic no 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 but i i think actually um i don't know why this is just clicking for me now because i've been like having a crisis trying to figure this out i think it's the tie-dye inspired um and and they have an interesting like link to tie-dye i think like years prior I don't know the exact mm-hmm. details. They were struggling to finance the team, so they ended up selling tie-dye T-shirts and 
Um, this is like years ago. So they have some interesting connection to tie-dye and that's why there's so many tie-dye in their stands. So that's probably supposed to be tie-dye and not water. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So no national fruit, but a funny thing is that these teams, these national teams have mascots and I just, that was one thing that surprised me Really, a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, what is this yeah, Lithuanian mascot? What a job. What would ours be? There's no way. Yeah, eagle? An eagle. Think. Absolutely. Right. I mean, why is an eagle? Is it wrong? I do. I don't know. I'm just like a total dumbass. Like, why is an eagle patriotic? I'm just kind of like, is it just because it looked, I don't know. Why like is it like a heard an eagle before Frank? You know, it just my, my middle school mascot. My middle school mascot was a bald eagle, and like <laughs> then it was a falcon. And it's like, man, people really like birds. I guess, like, I guess people that found high schools are some big bird watchers. Maybe I don't know. So I don't. Are people that founded the country are big bird watchers? Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, know. that's I'm my final wondering. thoughts on Sabonis. You know. Yeah. <laughs> then what are the what's the national fruit of Lithuania? Is it a watermelon? And. uh that's a nice closing thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much we want to get into Alex Len. I mean, he he's pretty much doing Alex Len things. I mean, we don't need to dive deep into it if, if, if you guys don't want to. But, like, have you been seeing – like, are you are you pleased with what you've seen from Alex Len? Is he kind of just holding up that – that you know, what he, what he brings in the NBA level, I feel like he's bringing on the, the Eurobasket scene as well. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's definitely the guy that I've watched the least – uh, watched a couple of the games and to, they're just the toughest watch. Like, yeah, Bezinkov is easily tier one, Domas is tier two, and then Alex Len is like tier five. Like, these Ukraine games are a little bit of a tough watch. And he, and he just like, you know, he's the king of screen assists and protecting the rim. Like, he's like my 2K player because I know my guys aren't going to pass me the ball anyways. So, like, it, it's just a tough watch when you're trying to specifically analyze one player. Um, he's definitely comfortable and confident shooting threes. He went two or three against Croatia, two or four against Greece. Like he's willing to get up shots, which I think we've seen a little bit before in his career. I think there's one year in Atlanta, he shot like two and a half a game and knocked down something like 35%. So like, I don't know. It's hard to take anything. I think he's, he looks like he's in good shape, which I think maybe you couldn't say for certain portions of last year. Um, but also last year obviously was like a super complicated context for him with everything going on in, in the world and Sacramento center rotation, just like changing so much throughout the year. So um, yeah, I, I think that they're playing well. Uh, he, he's even played the four a little bit sometimes, which is just like, I don't know what is going on here. Another seven, two guy. It's what? gotta be like um, a team thing. It's yeah. I I don't know how much they've done it in Eurobasket, but they were doing it in the games leading up to it a little bit. And I was like, "What is going on here?" He's five of ten from three. That's that's kind of crazy. Well, we've seen him hit threes before, and I think I think uh, last year he he uh, he hit a couple corner threes, if I remember correctly. In Denver, he's definitely confident. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look um, bad, but I, I think Alex Len is a fine backup center in the league you know if they moved on from Rashawn like if Alex Len is if you're center rotation DeMontis Sabonis and Alex Len and you're just trying to get what say you get 35 go to Domas so you're just trying to sneak in 13 minutes of Alex Len like I'm totally good with that I don't know about you guys I, I'd imagine if the Rashawn Holmes backup situation does not work out they might look to move him and then we probably will see that we probably could see Alex Len being the team's backup center I mean yeah no faith in Demias. I was going to say, Alex Leonard and Mia Skata, who'd you rather see? 
I Ooh. I mean, I would rather see Nemeus, but if I'm trying to win games, I feel like uh, realistically, I think, uh, you know, we, we just know what Alex is. And Alex, like we've been saying, is a super solid backup option. So I would be perfectly fine if, if we're contending to just play Alex Len. I'd be more entertained with Nemeus, but I think that Len is a notably better player right now. The Nemeus uh, discussion brings up opposing question as we kind of get off of uh, Eurobasket and in that uh, Alex Len discussion, which I know we could have talked an hour about Alex Len. But you brought you talk about Nemeus, and it kind of made me wonder because there's news whispers that the NBA is going to be bringing two new teams onto the scene, Seattle and Las Vegas, and they're it's like reports are saying they're going to announce it during preseason because there's a preseason game in Seattle and a preseason game in Las Vegas. And if that does happen, we're going to have another, um, what is it draft. called? Expansion draft. And what happened last time that when the Charlotte we Bobcats, we lost Gerald Wallace. So I'm wondering to you guys, because I believe that the number of players you can protect is eight. Eight. And people were kind of, I saw Namiya's Kata stands getting upset because he wasn't included in the eight. Off the top of your head, if there's an expansion draft right now, who are the eight that you guys are keeping? If you have a roster out in front of you, I can start. Obviously, Harrison Barnes, right, Chris? Obviously, Chemezi Metu, Harrison <laughs> Barnes. Um, Keon Ellis starts the list. Keon Ellis. Keon Ellis is number one on the list. I think, I think the easy, obvious ones are De'Aaron Fox, one. DeMontis Sabonis, two. Keegan Murray, three. Um, Kevin Herter, four. Five, I go with Davion Mitchell. And... This is where it's weird. Like, if we're saying the start of this year is probably the easiest way to say it, because if you go like in the next year, what like HB is mm-hmm. not technically under contract. Yeah. Um, Same with so, Monk at that point, right? Or um, Monk's on a two-year. Monk has two, yeah. Oh, okay. um, so what? We're at five there, mm-hmm. right? And after that, I'd go. I would put HB. Um, I would put Rashawn Holmes, Malik Monk, and I think that's eight, mm-hmm. right? One more. One more. That's yeah, eight. Uh, yeah. So leaving off that leaves yeah. off leaves off TD. I think TD's been like the the omission that people are are most like. I've seen a lot of people saying if it's if it's next year they should try to resign TD and like let Monk go because maybe TD is a, a better all around player. But it's just kind of like I don't think we really know that yet. We haven't really seen that much of Terrence Davis as an NBA player as a whole. I mean, I'm trying to let me look at how many games he's played. Um, I think the most games he's played in the season was his that first year in Toronto. He played 72, but he played very sparingly off the bench and averaged seven points per game. But what we saw last year from him at the end, if that was his true potential, which is what 16 points per game when he plays over 30 minutes and he's picking up a steal and a half, like, yeah, that's pretty, it's hard to not want to keep him somehow. But Malik Monk is the best year of his career. Was it a, you know, I don't know. Was it lightning in a bottle? I don't know. We're going to find out, but um it's interesting because I think we are going to, I mean, it's a matter of time before we do get to another one of those drafts and whether it's this year or, or two years from now, or three years from now, they're going to have to protect somebody. So it's going to be a conversation, not now at this roster, but it just kind of makes you think it makes you wonder because we're going to have to come to a, a decision at some point next couple of years. Would your guys's eight be any different? Chris, go ahead, Chris. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the conversation kind of, boils down to the Malik Monk or, or um, 
TD or Metu, whichever one of those guys you want to keep, or if you wanted to lock down for, I mean, you know, we're joking, but if you wanted to lock down a Keon Ellis or um, a Nemeas Kata, you know, you probably wouldn't, you know, if, if you really felt that strongly about them, you'd probably take them off the two way. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's not really an argument for, for much change I, and to the Terrence Davis point. I think, it would be unfortunate to see him go, but also, um, you know, that's that's kind of the the nature of the risk of, of keeping only eight guys. You know, yeah, you're just going to let those guys go and, and hope that he gets a better opportunity, I guess. And, and he's out of the rotation. I mean, maybe yeah, exactly. like on paper, it's hard to see yeah. how he gets some clear minutes. And that's kind of what happens like in baseball, too. There's a rule five draft. And if they're not on your 40 mm-hmm. man roster, you can take them. Any team can just go, okay, is he not on your 40-man roster? Cool, we're taking him. And that's what happened with a couple of players that uh, I wish would not have happened to my team, but uh, it happens. <laughs> Some players turn out to be okay. But, um, yeah, there's no real right answer, I guess, right now because we don't know what the roster is going to mm-hmm. look like. But And the expansion teams only get to take one from your roster, right? They only can take one from each roster. Is that right? I'm th- not sure how that works. I think so. I think so because you it's fifteen. You have fifteen roster spots, and there's thirty teams. So if you go around to twenty nine or thirty, thirty one other teams now, and pick mm-hmm. pick one player from half of those teams, that makes more sense to me. But the only thing is, mm-hmm. there's two new two new teams. So that means two players can get taken. Yeah. So so with those eight protected, like who would who would hurt you the most if they got taken? Right Probably now, TD. Yeah, let's say let's say it happened uh, prior to this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, TD would be tough because I know that he could go onto that team and potentially be like a starter. I mean, depending on what else they do. I mean, I don't I don't know how many other fringe rotation players are mm-hmm. going to be more impactful than than TD because we saw what he can do when he gets minutes. So I'd be more upset to see him go somewhere else and be like a starting two guard, thrive. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Alex Len. We've seen what he can do as a starting center in the NBA. I think we we know what he is. I can't really see him going somewhere else and being like a 15 and 12 guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't really see it. Um, Trey Lyles, I think we also, again, we know what he is. He's been around for almost a decade. Uh, and then also, I think the last one would be Chemezi Metu. I mean, all these guys, the young guys like TD and Chemezi are the ones that could go maybe somewhere else. Chris is saying no. But what if he goes somewhere else, Chris, and it's like a starting small forward power forward and it's like 14 and 8 per game? Yeah, I don't know what what if that did happen. What if that did happen? <laughs> what it what it what I don't know. Like that would if we're just throwing things out. I don't know. I know what you're saying. Um, no, I just you know, Jumezi would definitely be the one that would cause the most uproar. I think obviously he has a, a cult like following on Twitter for sure. Um, you know, yeah, he would probably benefit them. Him and Terrence Davis would definitely benefit the most from probably finding a new situation, especially a situation that that is full of guys of their level, um, you know, their confidence, their level of uh, of production, which we've seen has definitely, you know, it sticks out. And, you know, on a, on a team full of, of fringe rotation people, that those are the kind of guys that are going to get minutes. So. I could see them definitely being a good option, but you know, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, I mean, every team has those kind of guys. Yeah. We're all just going to let Matthew Delva double walk, I guess. I was waiting for you to say that. The league let him <laughs> walk, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the I, I Kings think... are probably, 
You go ahead. One of the things that got pointed out to me that's kind of interesting is that like if both these teams came in the West, because I think the talk was what Seattle and Las Vegas, that one team would move to the East, right? Maybe it's like Minnesota or New Orleans, something like that. Yeah, I think it's one of those three. Those are all the three that are closest to the East, right? Okay, Steve maybe could as well. I think the team people were saying the most was Minnesota, which I feel like I would need a map in front of me, but what's the easternmost team? Is it Oklahoma City? Is it the the three? They're kind of all even is uh, Memphis, Minnesota, and um, New Orleans. But Minnesota and New or Memphis and New Orleans are close to all those Texas teams. Um, And Minnesota, Mm -hmm. meanwhile, does the most travel of any team outside of uh, Portland kind of peeked at a map the other day because uh, minnesota is right next to chicago milwaukee i'm right here this on 2K all the time so oh there it is uh yeah it's definitely memphis and minnesota are the most east but honestly what the nba needs to do is just reclassify all of their divisions and i mean they need to make it like a a Golden State, Sacramento, Portland, Seattle, maybe Utah division. Um, and then have, you know, all the SoCal teams, Phoenix, uh, maybe all of the Texas Denver. teams. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I just feel like th- th- with the way that the, the teams are clustered, it feels like they can just do a better job of keeping uh, keeping divisions a little more tight. No, I yeah. agree. My question, though, is in – I'm sure there's like an answer. It's going to make me look stupid, but if there's two new Western conference teams coming in, how does getting one over to the East solve that and make it even? Wouldn't they need to be because technically you're only, this was actually really confusing to me at first too. Uh, But it's because technically then you're only adding one team to the West, right? Cause you're losing one and adding two. And then you're also adding one. Uh, to the East. That's right. That's it did that's not make sense to me at first either. Each. I was like, yeah. Uh, But I, I think that, those two new West teams are going to be really bad at first. So all of a sudden the Kings are a playing team, you know? Yeah. Until they, they get high draft picks and then all of a yeah. sudden the Kings are left in the dust. But at first playing is real. Just, just means we're going to be going to Vegas twice a year now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's also the tough thing is, is uh, I mean, adding Vegas as a market and adding Seattle. I mean, they might suck for a little bit, but also there's, you know, who knows, maybe, Kevin Durant would want to return back to Seattle. James or, Harden you know, would play there's, like there's trash Seattle in Vegas. James Harden would absolutely go to Vegas. <laughs> LeBron has said that he wants to own the Vegas team. So maybe in 2026, Bronny can sign with them and lead them to their first title. Um, first ever expansion team to win an NBA title in their first year of existence. Damn, um, it's like uh, like the Golden Knights in hockey, right? They won the first. Exactly. They won the, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy that happened. Um yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, I guess to kind of put a bow on this, basic, like some basic rotation things, Brendan. Um, number one, I don't think we've talked to you about the third string point guard situation. It doesn't, it's not really that big of a deal, Chris. And I like we're joking about it. Like, how come we're spending so much time talking about a point guard that if he's playing, it means the Kings are in deep, like they're in really big trouble because that means Fox or, or Mitchell are hurt. Do you have a preferred, like, official pick for third-string point guard, or are you just kind of, like, in a place where, okay, if they bring in Quinn Cook, great. If they bring in Matthew Delvadova, great. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. I'm just wondering, how are you viewing this 
process. I wish that it was Jaden Hardy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of my big takeaway with this whole process. I wish it was some young player, um, but I don't really care between the two. I feel like it's been talked about a lot. I know you guys covered it. Frank was borderline disrespectful to Delvadova, by the way. Are you and Bryant West going to gang up on me? No, I'll leave that to Bryant for sure. Um, I think Delvadova is a better shooter than I like imagined in my head. I don't think he's a great shooter, but I think like maybe he's capable on that end. Um, I don't really care, to be honest. I'm going to trust the opinion of, of Mike Brown and, I think it's easy to think that Mike Brown would favor Della Vadova. It just seems like more of like what I would stereotypically think a Mike Brown type of player is, right, with his defense and like kind of grittiness. But at the same time, Quinn Cook is the guy that's actually been on a roster with Mike Brown. So maybe he actually leans that way. Um, I don't know that it really makes a difference. I think even if one of Davion or De'Aaron went down, I still wouldn't go to that third string point guard yet. I'd mess with putting Malik at the one or something like that and not running an offense through him, but then you're just running the ball through, through um, DeMontis Sabonis more often. Like I, I think that, yeah, a situation where any of these guys is playing minutes for like a 15 game stretch, the Kings are in a really tough spot. So it doesn't make too much of a difference to me. And I'm kind of just going to be like, whoever they bring on. All right, cool. I trust you. And I'm not going to be keeping tabs on the other guy. I'm curious, then we can get you out on this, and this is more personal. Uh, do you think that there is a role, um, or I mean, I think there is a role, but uh, do you think that Mezzi and uh, TD can find minutes this year? You know how I feel about Mezzi, Chris. Yes, I do. That's why I'm um, I really don't feel bad saying this, right? I really don't like Matu's game. Mm-hmm. I see the potential. He's got size, athleticism. He has shooting potential, even though I think it's easy to forget that he actually has not been a very good shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, the rebounding is there. I think that he could really benefit from playing alongside Sabonis because when I am impressed is when he's getting downhill and getting to the basket, right? He's a good finisher. I think that if I was going into training camp as part of this coaching staff, I would really question. Metu's not a lock to make the roster in my mind. Like I I think that, and that's not, that's just saying me if it if it was me. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like you'd have to see something substantial from I think Chima Moneki is like the guy that stands out to me. And I wasn't very impressed from like the few games I saw of Moneki either. Some of like the same sort of effort issues on defense and like potentials there. But like I think that would be a real debate to me. And I see why Metu has a higher ceiling, but I'm very easily going Trey Lyles as the backup. And then Metu's like if you need to try something else, then throw them out there. Um, and who was your, uh, or I guess, how do you, how do you guys feel about Metu? Where are you at with Metu, Frank? Um, I, I think if he's a backup, any position, I don't feel great about it. I mean, it is tough though. Cause I, I don't really know who the backup small forward is right now. And I think I like the idea of having Trey Lyles in that power forward position because he's done it for so long for so many good teams in Utah and Denver. And I just, I think that, 
the Kings are better suited to having him in that role. But whereas Liam Tremezzi, who I think is, I think Mike Brown's high on him, but I don't know if he's high enough to give him meaningful minutes is just yet. You know, I think it's like a, a strictly like team Nigeria relationship and the NBA is just a different beast, but I, I don't know if he's going to get cut, but I'm a little, i I think it's down to Bazemore and, and Metsu for the backup three. Cause I think Akpala could be a player that they kind of roll out there in a, we need a stopper. I don't know if he's like the clear cut backup three, but not like transition it into that. But I mean, I want your thoughts on that later, but Chris, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Brendan. We're, we're pretty strong, not Mezzi guys, but I, I think I agree with him being a backup or, you know, the backup to the backup for, um, I personally would rather see him at a, a backup position at, the, you know, a backup backup position at the five, as opposed to the three. I just, you know, I don't, I, it's not just because of his height. I just feel like he's, he's better suited to be at the rim than anywhere near the, than in, in you know, endorsing him to be around the perimeter. Um, because frankly, I would rather have TD as the backup backup three than, than Mezzi. I just, I, from everything I've seen about Mezzi, I don't think he has the mentality of a, of a backup. And that's why I would 100% give, give that, that backup position to Trey Lyles. And I just think Lyles's game suits it better. And mentality wise, he just seems to know his role and be better accepting of it. Yeah, there was like this, I don't know if you guys saw this or, or like agree with this. Maybe I'm overreading it. Um, I felt like there was this weird like mindset shift with Messi last year. Like For I felt sure. like he was really yeah. like humble and like just happy when he got opportunity. And then when the coaching shift changed and he got pulled from the starting lineup, it was just like, oh, well, almost it like it felt like he man. didn't feel like he got an explanation and he mm-hmm. sh- didn't deserve to be pulled. And it was just so weird to me how quick that happened. Yeah, I kind of understand. And I think I thought when you were first talking, I thought you meant more like on the court um, mentality shift. And I, I definitely agree with that. I think he seemed to towards the back half of the season was definitely more of a cutter, a lot less of trying to take five to six threes a game. Um and that's kind of honestly the second half of the season is is when I started to kind of change my tune a little bit on him. But um, that's interesting because I do remember hearing that he was upset about his starter position being pulled. And uh, it definitely I mean, it makes it's it's it does seem like he's just not quite um, he hasn't quite learned the business side of of basketball where it's just like we don't really need to explain to you why you aren't getting minutes like you should you should understand that you started these five games we gave you an opportunity we weren't impressed for a handful of reasons or whatever reasons and you're just not playing the next game it's it's kind of just that fluid in the NBA a lot of the time I think it could be like a and again this is just me like trying to read between the lines and I don't know hopefully this isn't irresponsible of me, but I, I think Fair. I can totally see how it's like a, well, I didn't do anything wrong that I deserve to be pulled. And it's like, sure, you weren't bad, but you also mm-hmm. weren't good enough to you where it's smarter. like you deserve yeah. to stay in. Like, yeah. I, we were better. Yeah. I, I think, Trey or you Lyle just got to try better. something else. Yeah. Cause I mean, one for one, I'm not entirely sure 
Trey Lyles is a better basketball player than Shemezi Metu, but again, I just feel like he's more accepting of his role and, and more, you know, his limitations are almost what makes him better suited for it. I think Mezzi just feels like he can do more and always wants to do more and feels like he can do it all. And in reality on a, on a five, you know, when you're one of five on the court, you just need to fill a role. We don't need you to, to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well put. There, there is the potential, right? Like if you have to point at one of these three guards, like who could be a guy that hits threes and also can like kind of protect the rim. Messi probably that guy, but like yeah. it's still kind of hypothetical, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think my my him not making it past training camp is definitely a hot take. I'm totally expecting him to be on training camp. I just uh, don't love Messi. I mean, yeah, there is. I don't know. I think that the end of the that 15 man, you know, roster is very smirky. Like, I don't think it's very clear cut because like they haven't even announced the Baysmore move. Is that a training camp deal? I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't really. I don't think fully... the Apollo move's been announced either. That hasn't been announced either. It's like, what are they planning on doing? I mean, I think Chimezi's deal is already guaranteed for. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. partially guaranteed, or like a million's been guaranteed already. So that's the only reason why I'm like thinking they probably won't cut him because why would they cut him and they're paying him a million dollars already? So, um, but I just don't know what the end of the bench looks like. Is it going to be Akpala and Maneki? Is it going to be Bay- is Bays one of the backup three? Even though he just kind of Sam was, Merrill. I was going to say Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill, obviously. I guess I need to put some respect on Sam <laughs> no. Merrill's name. But I'm ready for the know. Matthew Dellavedova, Keon Ellis, Sam Merrill, Chimezi Metu, Namias Keita lineup. Oh Ooh. my gosh, is that in the NBA Finals? It might be in Stockton Finals, but. The Stockton, the, the G League final, <laughs> the G League finals. Yeah, yeah. Kate uh, is going for the MVP in G League this year. It's my hot I take. hope so. I hope so. I, I I like his potential for sure. I just like, I think it needs one more year of like. I I hope he can go and kind of dominate Stockton. He has to. I mean, he was looking pretty good at the end of summer league those last couple of games till he got hurt. He tweaked his knee, and then he wasn't really the same in in that last game we saw, but. Uh, against the Pacers game, he was dominating, and then he got hurt. I think he had like eighteen and and eight or something through halftime. It was crazy what he was doing, yeah, and he was. Uh, got hurt immediately in the third quarter. But and that was right after the game he scored twenty four or twenty two points, I think. Uh, the Orlando that, game, yeah, where he hit yeah. the three, right? That you don't that know me, crazy. bro. That was crazy. That was crazy. I, I think I for, I forget about that game sometimes. It would be a lot more maybe memorable if they would have won, but. That was yeah, that was definitely one of the best games I've ever been to. If it was like, not a summer league game, like that would easily take the crown. Oh, if it was if it was like a regular season game, we would be like, oh my god, that was one of the best games we've ever seen. And yeah, uh, yeah. but alas, we had phenomenal seats. Oh, best seats in the house. Yeah, but of course. Now we just can see, could be like, oh, it was just a summer league game. No one cares about it. But the Kings would have won. We'd be, oh my god, best game ever! I'll but, never forgive Chris for saying that that was Keegan Murray's my uh, Marvin Bagley moment. <laughs> Disrespectful, <laughs> or is it the proper amount of respect? Stop it! Stop Disrespect. it! Disrespectful. I'm just saying, Marvin Bagley had Stop a moment, it. and it was a significant moment, and we acknowledge it as a significant moment. 
And if anything, it speaks to the lack of significant moments that we've had as a fan base. No, you're right. I am. I think uh, Bagley had a really bad summer league though. Right. Like in, in not that summer league matters, but at least Keegan, his moment was a little more you hang your hat on it than a dunk at golden one center. But who knows, man, I don't know the way people talk about it. It was the loudest I've ever heard that building to be. Oh honest. yeah. The way people it was talk about it. That was, that was like, that was unreal. I can't believe that people were that it was that packed to watch him play. And he delivered like immediately almost that dunk. It was just the whole was, starting lineup played. De'Aaron played in that game. Justin Jackson played. Frank Jackson or Frank uh Frank Mason, Mason was coming off the bench. Yeah, Giles. It was like that yeah, was their whole starting lineup. That was the uh, the super team just young days. Yes, those were good yeah. times. I remember. I really thought when they had Bogey, like they they were they were a year away from being like a year away. You know, like they're they're really close and. uh been five years now five years the kings oh. are the bruno cabocolo of nba teams so you're away two years Jeez. away from being two years away. hey former king he that's won. right king put some respect on bruno number two number 22 um anything else i'm ready for this to be over um, this, this, this this whole offseason talks if i'm just like i want to talk about games i'm sure you guys both share that sentiment as well yeah, I think uh, obviously once games get started, it'll you know all this will feel new again, and and we'll be reinvigorated with a bunch, which a bunch of new thoughts. But for now, it definitely like like Brendan said at the top, like it's just kind of just been saying the same things over and over for a couple months now. Yeah, NBA off season just is. It's a marathon, a marathon of nothing. Well, it's getting shorter though. I mean, at least at least we have that. You know, it's uh, the season starts mid October. Uh, you know, preseason training camp starts at the end of this month. We're uh, we're getting towards a pretty prime time in sports in general. I mean, we have football starting tonight, uh, so that'll be going on. NBA starting next month. We have baseball playoffs coming up in October. And then we have the World Cup in November and December. So these uh, the last stretch of this year is definitely going to uh, to be an absolute blast. Honestly, I'm, I probably sure. will not be leaving the house much. No, and I was you know last thought from me. I just like I think we kind of dropped the ball like American sports because not oh, everyone loves God. baseball. <laughs> Well, no, like not everyone loves baseball as much as I. Like, I'm a fanatic with baseball, but if you don't like baseball at all, like Brendan, what do you have? I mean, what do you have from June? Eurobasket, <laughs> yeah, to September, like you have nothing. Like, cause there's no football, there's no basketball, like there's no, there's just baseball. Like, I feel like, yeah, they kind, they need like kind of overlap some of these a little, a little better, but. I definitely felt like I remembered football starting earlier. Like, why like does August? football start right before training camp? Yeah, I like, think it. I think it has started in like the last week of August before, but I don't know if that's accurate. I I don't know, but I agree. I I thought football started like when you go back to school. Like when I went back to school back in the day, I'd be like, oh cool, like my friends have their NFL jerseys on, and that must mean the Niners and Raiders are playing. But are you a football um, guy at all, Frank? Huge fantasy football guy. Like I'm really excited for fantasy. Like I I know the players. Like I know, I just don't have a, a team. Like I don't have. I'm not a fan of a team. But I think it's too late for me in life to adopt a team. Is it? 
Well, didn't you adopt a team for like, was it a uh, premier league? Did you adopt a team or something? Uh, I can't, that was the idea, but it didn't end up happening. <laughs> <laughs> I watched about Chris, three or four premier league games. And then was just like, I just not into it. it. Chris, it you adopted fun. a team, right? Not too long ago. You adopted a premier premier league. Oh no. I've been a uh, Manchester United fan for a couple of years now for like yeah. almost 10 years now. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's different because you were basically a you know you're a teenager and you picked it up. But I yeah. I, I just don't know if, as an, a 28 year old man, I don't know if I can start. You would definitely like I Frank. You always I, talk about yourself like you're so old, bro. But dude, think about how many how long it is like that. <laughs> I've, I've liked the Kings and the Yankees. Like since I was like a tiny kid, I've liked the Kings and the Yankees, and like <laughs> I just can't I can't match that for someone else. Just it's not I'm about a, matching. That's what I've found. It's you you can definitely not have the same energy towards a team. It's more just like you know, it's something to pop, it's an excuse to pop in, you know. Yeah, it's good. And maybe sometimes you watch more than you don't, you know, sometimes you get really into the off-season moves and all that and sometimes you just are like, "Uh, eh, we're we're bad. I kind of don't care." Cuz that's more uh, what I am with baseball. For sure. Like, and uh, did you ever when, when did it's you ever convenient find... for me to care? Did you ever adopt a team, by the way? Me? No. no. Uh, Chris, <laughs> we talked about you and I a couple no. years ago talked about. I think you wanted to start liking yeah. the Blue Jays and the White or the White Sox. Yeah. It never happened. Never, never really gained steam. Oh, they were fun. They have, they had, they have young, like they had young up and comers. And uh, no, I people of color I, is who I root for. There you go. Uh, that is not baseball's strong suit. <laughs> well, I mean, at least the the Blue Jays and the White Sox are they fall on those are my they, two options. Yeah, Tim and Anderson. Now, you know, honestly, as funny as it is, if I had to pick a team right now, it would obviously it would probably be the Padres. And uh, Padres are sick. I mean, I I root for the Giants as they were winning championships and all that stuff. So it would just be it feels a little funny to to pick that as my next option. So you know, I think I'm just I, I really do anonymous baseball yeah and that that's what i'm doing with the nfl i'm like i want to i wish i could just wave a magic wand and become a niners fan because like it's the easy thing to do because it's local oh my god don't do that but i chris i, I can't for whatever <laughs> reason i i can't good. i can't like i cannot like them so good can't do good. it you're, you're just like fight. allergic to winning or what frank you're excuse a me fan. 20 true. yeah yeah 20, 27 rings no <laughs> i never say that by the way baby. I never say twenty-seven rings because I was I was not alive for what like twenty <laughs> twenty-two of those. So um no. I uh I I will say that not to keep rambling, the way that I feel and Chris, you know, you feel this when you're watching uh the Vikings during playoff time. The stress I feel right now about like just watching a team you care about in the playoff race and like if the Kings make it to that point, like if the Kings play meaningful games in, in late March and April. Dude, I don't even know what I'm like. I don't know. Like I, it's my job and my career now. But the 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 way that I've grown up watching them and caring about them, I don't know if that like part of me that hasn't cared for the last couple of years is gonna like take a back seat to the person who's gonna be like, oh my god, like there are, there are a couple of games from the playoffs. Like how am I gonna even sit through this game? Because right now you just watch every game. It's like going like your nephew's like like t-ball game or something. Watching the Kings right now. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to watch. It doesn't matter if they win or lose, but we're going to watch. And things are going to happen. But what if there's, like, actual meaning in a game? That would be just crazy to see. So, I'm just hoping it for would. that. Wouldn't know what to do with myself. 
I have a final oh. hot take for you guys. Cool. Oh, please. The Kings will win a major award this year. Like Whether a player? Yes. Whether that's rookie of the year, six man of the year, or most improved player. I think they have three legitimate candidates for each one of those. Keegan is the most likely, right? Rookie of the year. I think Paulo yeah. probably Rookie wins. Rookie of the year, but... sixth man of the year, or most improved player of the year? Yes. Do you know who my most improved pick is? Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, uh, Kevin Herter. Harrison yes. Barnes. I like the Kevin, Kevin Herter pick. Herter's averaged new... 12 last year. And he's averaged 12 like his whole career. But if he goes from 12 to 16. Yeah, it'd have to I be like 18 and like a starter on a And he would have to is... be pretty significant, yeah. Yeah, I could see it, and I think Malik could be a six man of the year candidate. You know, I I'm gonna make a all all kind of piggyback off of you and say like I think that Keegan Murray should be the favorite for rookie of the year in my eyes because I think Paolo just he's I'm I don't wish it on him I just I see some risks with him I don't know I just see he had to come out of the game so often at Duke because of his cramping and then he had some issues. It's just like I just sweats I like. Know. No other person on the planet. He must have like an IV bag that's like waiting on the sideline when he comes out because he loses so much fluids every game. But there's going to be some annoying debate of, you know, raw total counting numbers compared to efficiency when it comes to like Paolo versus Keegan. Oh, uh, one last question. Paolo between like 42 percent and. Forty, you know, thirty-seven yeah. percent from three, but averaging eighteen, and Keegan will be forty, fifty, eighty-five with thirteen points a game. Yeah. One la- one last question for you. Uh, tie game. Two minutes left. What lineup do you want on the floor for the Kings? I know it could, right. it could do. It could depend on who they're playing. Do you want me to give you a team? Would that help with this situation? Uh, or does it, or does it matter? I don't think it matters. I, okay. I think the the one that a lot of people will point to, right, is Davion Mitchell. And I'm just not there. Like, I'm definitely a skeptic of Davion, and I'm for sure an outlier here. And I will be the first to write something if, if he becomes a good three-point shooter. But, like, I just think the reality is that he's not right now. And we haven't seen that. He's not a good free-throw shooter either. Like, I get why people believe, but... There's going to be moments you don't want to take them off the floor because I guess like team context matters a little, right? For the opposing guard, if he's really like giving somebody trouble on the defensive end, but it's hard for it to not be. Well, De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis are obvious. I think Kevin Herter's obvious. Um, and then I think it's just HB and, and Keegan. Like and Keegan, right? I think it's my starting lineup. Because and I think if it's you, pretty easy to me. If you do need a closing lineup and you like – Again, Mike Brown's a big defensive guy. Like maybe he wants Davion out there, but that means you're taking off one of Herder, Barnes, or Murray, and I just don't know how that really helps you. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just- I think it's one of Barnes or Murray, right? Like, there's been times that HB has looked pretty bad on defense these last couple mm-hmm. years. I think he's a better defender than what we've seen, but like, that's also just me kind of holding out hope. Have to definitely see that this year. And there's a chance that, like, Keegan, it just, like, takes a second to get up to pace. I don't think so, but, like, it's for sure not Herder. Like, in my mind, Herder is out there. I'm such a big Kevin Herder guy. They gave up so much to get, like, they leveraged years of the draft, like, with 
that move too. Like you, they have to. It's four. It's four years of him still. So like, yeah, he has to be out there. Yeah. But Chris, what's your lineup, and why does it not have Harrison Barnes? <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing because it's for sure not going to have oh, HP. No, it be. is. It. I. I agree with you. I was actually thinking, and. I could definitely just be overthinking this, but is there a world where Sabonis isn't in the closing lineup because of defense and maybe you have enough offense everywhere else and maybe if Rashawn Holmes changes his game up a little and becomes more rebounding and defensive focused that maybe, you know, you could argue that I don't necessarily know that having Domas in that closing lineup is a necessity and maybe you could you know, get away with having Davion in there. Um, I, that doesn't really solve the issue of, you know, you're, you're still without one of Herter or Barnes or Murray or Davion, but um, I don't know, just a, just a random thought. I think sometimes, right? Like, in, yeah, I, I, I think like the simple answer is no. Like if Domas, if you're not, if you're not able to play Domas in closing minutes, then like, what are we really doing here? You know what I mean? But I well, totally see where Brendan Nunes has made right. that po- has made that point at one. What what are this we? Is what are very we, true. What are we doing here? I'm trying to not. You know, I've made that point, Chris. We can move on from that. Yeah, this point, I'm like, just accepting I, I, a new reality. You know, because like, would that mean Rashawn's playing center or not? Rashawn, yes. no, just Davion's in instead Absolutely. of some. But no, if Davion's going in for. Is HB it playing it center? It doesn't. It doesn't really. No, no, no. Rashawn is playing center. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just I, more – it's more pointing at – I don't know if necessarily when you really think about it if Demonis Sabonis is somebody who needs to be – needs to be in a closing – like absolutely has to be. Obviously, he's very – you know, he's our best player. He is our best offensive player. But I don't necessarily think – like you said earlier, I don't know if he's a – give him the ball, get a, get a bucket right now, guy. I would argue that's probably De'Aaron or someone else who's more of a shot creator. And defensively, he by no means is, is the best option. Maybe you could put in, you know, I, I don't think they would have the courage to put in Alex Len, but that's where with Rashawn, if he's more defensively focused, his offense isn't bad enough to where it's like, oh, like, what are you doing putting this guy out there? He's still somebody who can do something offensively. Um, but give you something else defensively where Sabonis, I don't know. I mean, he obviously has his outliers uh, skills and abilities, but I don't necessarily know that he's, you know, size wise, if we were going against whatever, again, like Joel Embiid or something is, is Sabonis the best person to have out there as our center. You sound like the Lithuanian head coach right now. I'm not going I, I think I get where you're coming from for sure. I think the difference is like and they don't this really is have better me options. trying to create a conversation. This is yeah. This is no, about I, like fifteen percent how I actually feel. If you're like up six or eight, there's a minute and a half left, and you just got to get stops. Like I think there's a world where it makes sense. I think like the optics of it though, even that's the thing, and that's be really because if tough. you lose that game, it's the first question out of James Ham's mouth is. Uh, Demonis Sabonis wasn't in down the stretch there. Explain. And yeah, I I mean, it'd be different if you had like a really good defensive center, right? Like, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Holmes has gotten so hyped up on defense. Like, I think he's, 
No, he, he has not shown that. Like I said, I think he would have to change his mentality and be strictly rebound, strictly defense in this case. Yeah. Frank? It's more of a thought exercise. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I guess Chris my, a psychopath, my, Frank, or what? No, I mean, I, I think if Demonis Abonis is taken out of the game with two, three minutes left, he's going to be wanting he's to strangle Mike Brown. But, uh, like if he's getting dominated by by Cat all game, and Rashawn is more of a physical kind of can get in there and, and maybe create a stop, if it gets the team to win, like what do you? It just depends on what's happening. To me, it's a it's a night by night basis. I don't know if there's like a clear closing lineup that's like mm-hmm. we again we haven't watched any games yet. There's we don't know if Keegan Murray can hold his own on the defensive end. We don't know if all these players are going to be healthy a week into the year. But I just think that. On paper, the closing lineup to me is, is going to include Sabonis. I, I just I just don't know if if yeah. it's ever going to be at that point. Like, it's like an argument where okay, then maybe they should keep Sabonis in, and because Fox has been such a bad defender, maybe they take Fox out and they put Mitchell in for him instead. I mean, yeah. but then again, well, maybe De'Aaron's... maybe the answer is you put Holmes in with Sabonis. That's what I, I think. That's more my hey question now. is like because I think you just lose especially down the stretch, you want to have some rim protection in there. You don't want to just be giving up points at the rim, easy buckets at the rim, that is, uh, down the stretch. And Do they I, even have I just a have a lot though? of questions. They don't. They absolutely don't. And I, to me, that was that was the uh, – I mean, it looks bad now, but that was the reason for taking Chet Holmgren. But, uh, you know. No, that's no go. By the way, for the record, I'm not saying take out De'Aaron late game. That was a hypothetical. I – if he's yeah. out of the game, this is all what, hypothetical. What the hell are you? If De'Aaron's this is all a thought experiment, thirty point per game guy in the second half of the season, yeah, that's you. You have to have him on the floor. <laughs> Sorry, Fox, Sabonis, and Herder are no question on the floor in my mind. Outside of like outlier scenarios, yeah, and I think ideally Keegan Murray becomes Harrison Barnes, the heir to Harrison yeah. Barnes. So I can live with HB being off the floor sometimes, and them kind of going with one of Davion or maybe Malik Monk's having a, a big night. Maybe he's got 27 and they want to have both him and her on the floor. Um, I think that there's, this is a surprising for me, but there's no way Harrison Barnes can't be on the floor at the end of the game. Like he has to. Oh, and he probably will be. He probably will be though. No, I think he, I like, I, I don't, I, there's nobody else who's as smart as him or as, you know, <laughs> as, as, uh, I mean, I'm not saying he he is uh, he has proven to be any sort of defensive stopper, but there's nobody who has the amount of physicality that he can bring. I think down the stretch, like I, I just think he he's the most NBA wing player that we have. And he he again he will be on the the floor. I'm just again, it's all hypotheticals. I'm just saying if if the Kings are playing Portland and Dame's got 44. But De'Aaron's got like 26, and he's he's kind of hitting a groove. I can see a scenario where they're like, okay, maybe we can kind of get by with putting her on Jeremy Grant. Let's throw Davion out there in the closing unit. And Murray's been a better defender this far. Let's assume he's a good defender. Yeah, maybe Davion gets that that nod in that hypothetical scenario to go get Damian Lillard. So because maybe if he's cooking Fox, I don't know. But like you said, Chris, it's Harrison Barnes, and I don't think you can justify taking him off the floor because of his who he is alone. But maybe it wouldn't it's be Harrison Barnes. 
Yeah. You can't. Well, that's why the same thing. Like it's it's demon. It's a bonus. Like there's like, but names only go so far. If, like, it's you're Keon Ellis. It's yeah. Keon Ellis. Yeah. Well, how come we haven't talked about bringing him into the this scenario here? We need to stop. Get Keon Ellis in the game. I thought we just it was assumed that he was part of this five. Casey Akpala, yeah. the real that's that's the real closing lineup. Akpala, uh, Metu, Ellis, Kada. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's talk. a good problem though that like there's going to be some nights where you feel like Malik has to be out there because he's mm-hmm. like on track for thirty. Yeah, like Malik's going to have those nights, right? There's going to be nights where Davion has to be out there because he's given the other opposing point guard who's the star of the team a fit you know like mm-hmm. and that's a good problem to have like last year we're talking about damn who's the fifth starter because none of these guys are good options mm-hmm. and now there's multiple good options yeah for sure like i think that's gonna be the kind of the fun part of it is the closing lineup might look different every night it might not be like the warriors mm-hmm. or, or other teams that are established and successful that have a clear cut no matter what these guys are closing the game out we do not have the luxury of being a winning team in almost 20 years. So we don't know what our closing lineup is because we haven't won enough to establish that. So, cause I think that the, the most famous, I think Chris and I, we called it the, the death lineup was a uh, Fox Halliburton Barnes Holmes and Bagley. Was it Bagley? I don't think he was a part of it. You and I, or was it be I don't know, but we had like a, de- a de- quote unquote death lineup um, a couple of years ago. So, uh, I don't know what that is yet, but I'm excited to see what it is. We will, we will find out. Yeah, <laughs> could be right, the death well, of us. Chris is not um, never going to hear the end of that Harrison Barnes praise. <laughs> this whole well, year, you can't say that I'm a hater. I got to know he's, I'm not. You know, I'm justified. You know, he starts off seasons hot. So wait till he scored yeah. what 25 points in three straight to begin the year, and Chris is going to be. Amen. I've been on Harrison Barnes' contract year is going to go stupid. I completely agree that I could see a world where where Harrison Barnes wins most improved. He can definitely average 20 points a game this season 100%. I definitely could see that being a possibility. Uh, Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. No, because he's going to be an MVP. Obviously. Mm. Only possible answer here. Mm. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, I feel like we've been going enough on this. Uh, We're talking about Harrison Barnes MVP. Yeah, it's time to end I'm it. I'm wrapping it up. Uh, well, thank you, Brendan, for joining us. Um, uh, I was going to say check you out on X, Y, and Z, but honestly, you're doing so many things that you know you you can just just follow Brendan on Twitter and uh, try and keep up with with uh, everything he's doing uh, content wise. He's smashing it. Appreciate y'all. Um, yeah, absolutely. Glad, glad to do it. Gonna have to get y'all on on KP one of these days here. Uh, yeah, one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, uh, Queen Elizabeth. R.I.P. The Queen. I was. I'm sorry. I've been. Twitter is a is a dude. Great Britain went a, 0-4 in this tournament. They better dude, win this last game. Twitter is going insane right now. With like, it's honestly, it's probably disrespectful, but <laughs> it's it's. It's easy to, it's a battle zone. You got to go look at Twitter. And this is I just don't know. So never lost. The internet, the internet is oh, ruthless. No. It's no, the first, if you open Twitter and people are saying this is going to be one of those like legendary days of Twitter, huh? It's like when Trump got COVID, people are going crazy too. Like people, oh, other countries were going crazy too. And now it's like, the United oh States my turn. gosh. Like one says like the, 
the the pound the the, the value of a pound has dropped below a dollar. It's officially soccer now. Like it's not <laughs> it's not football anymore. So let's get out of here before we. There's a we... stat muse graphic about <laughs> the queen. Oh my god! Oh my god! There was a Luol Dang. There was a Luol Dang graphic with the queen. Because he's from. Why is my entire feed England. just memes? <laughs> just memes of hey, things she, that you she, should not connect the queen with. She was almost a hundred, and there's a screenshot of a uh, Queen Elizabeth trending, and then uh, Nick Castellanos is trending right beneath it. Um, yeah, the Queen's farewell. It's her going yeah. up to a, to, and it's, that. yeah, Beckham, Dang, OG and Anubi, it's just, uh, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right, everybody enjoy some football. Uh, enjoy uh, it not being 117 degrees. Long live the Queen. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much. Long live the Queen.